Last week we began a four-part series entitled, This is Our City, and it's highlighting what's going on around us. Now we talked last week that we come from a variety of different places, but mainly it's here in Collin County. But what are you doing for your city? Hopefully you're praying for your city, as we talked about last week that you're praying for the people around us, because when we start praying, that's when our eyes become open to those that we interact with on a regular basis. But we learned in in Jeremiah chapter 29 that God's people make a difference. They make a difference in the community in which they serve, in which they live. And so in Jeremiah chapter 29, what Jeremiah tells the people are, you're here in Babylon for a reason. God has brought you here. Your generation is going to spend their days here, and here's what I want you to do. Number one, I want you to move out from the country. I want you to move into the city, the city of Babylon, and I want you to live there. I want you to put down roots. I want you to start making connections with the people you're interacting with. Number two, he says, while you're living there, be careful that you don't co-opt the values of the dominant society. Those that you're interacting with, I want you to spend time, I want you to to do life together, but don't co-opt their values. Continue to remain salt and light as difference makers within that community. And finally, what Jeremiah told the people is, not only live there, not only go all in, but he said, I want you to serve them. That we, we talked about how that here in the Western society, it's all about the individual. And in other societies, including in the Eastern world, it's all about clan, it's about family, it's about tribe. But we are cross-centric people, as Jim talked about. We come and we celebrate what Jesus has done for us, but we also are reminded of our commitment to live as Christ-centered people in the community around us. So we are looking after others. We're pouring ourselves out as servants, as living sacrifices So Jeremiah's charge is this. He says, we all prosper when God's people engage and serve in the local community. That gets exciting. But when we start thinking about loving on people, I know for me, I think of my immediate family. Then I think of my close friends. Then you think of of neighbors and, and co-workers. And then you think of maybe your online community you keep up with. But what about all of the community around you, all of the people of the city, all the people who some have been blessed, some haven't. Can we have a holistic love for the place in which God has called us to live in? Acts chapter 17, the Lord says, I'm going to put you in a place in a certain time, a certain location, so that you can seek after me and be a blessing to those around me. Is that what we're doing? So I I want us to realize that God calls his people to look after all, including the downtrodden around us. And I think we see in in the Old Testament in particular, God reveals some of his heart, what he's truly passionate about, by the laws that he enacted. If you have your Bibles, turn to me to Deuteronomy chapter 14. And I want us to read an important thing that kind of shows who God is passionate about. Deuteronomy chapter 14, starting in verse 22. From the hand of of Moses, he writes down, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, your new wine, and olive oil, 
and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant, and well, you've just been blessed so much by the Lord your God, you can't carry all your tithe because the place your Lord has chosen to put his name is so far away. Why don't you go and exchange your tithe for silver, put that in your little pouch, and take that silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use that silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. Okay, I love this law. I think it's awesome. What God is saying is, if you are united with me, you need to stand back and see what that looks like. He goes, cast your seeds, till up the ground, but allow me to bring forth the harvest. You know, you'll have uh, you know, some cows and some sheep and stuff. Watch what happens when you're under God's blessing. Because you're going to be amazed at how quickly they multiply. Why? Because I want people, the nations, to see how I'm blessing my people Israel. The people that have called on the true living God. When you're united with me, everyone else is going to go, wow, look what God has done for you. Yeah, let me tell you about my God. But he said when this produce comes in, when the herds are, are, are producing and all this stuff is happening, he said once a year, man, when you bring in the harvest, take a tenth of that. That doesn't all immediately go to the church. Well, what he says is, he goes, take that tithe and let's celebrate. Let's have a big meal. I'll tell you where I'm going to be, where my location will be, because I wanted it to be a time when you and I get together and celebrate what I've done because you're united with me. He said, but here's the deal. If the location is too far and got too much to carry, he goes, just go sell that. And why don't you go to that location? And then it's kind of cool. He's like, if you like beef, get beef. If you want lamb, get lamb. If you want grape juice, get that. If you want something a little stronger, hey, knock yourself out. We're going to have a meal together and it's going to be fantastic. Just you and I, we're going to sit down. You can have your family there if you want. If not, hey, it'll be awesome. So you're gonna, we're going to get together, and we're going to enjoy this wonderful get-together. And it's going to remind you of what life is like once you're united with me. And you're putting all your cards on the table and saying, I am your servant, Lord. I trust in you. I believe in you. And I want to bring glory to your name. And God says, awesome. Let's eat together. How many of y'all are in for that? Absolutely. Only one of, that's all, you and I, we'll dine with God, it'll be awesome. Is that the only person at the table? It says a few verses later, at the end of every three years, so do this two, two years, we'll have the celebration meal, just you and I, we'll celebrate, you'll bring glory to my name, you'll show the world what it's like to unite yourself with God. On that third year, Bring all of the tithes of that year's produce, store it in your towns, stack it up so that the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat 
and be satisfied so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. What he's saying is, I think it's great that you love me. I think it's great that you're saying you're all in with me. I even think it's awesome that you are on board with saying, it wasn't me, it was God. God has blessed me. Because I want you to expand your table a little bit. So let's take some more folks and put them around the table here. First is the foreigners that come to be a part of you. And then he says, well, on top of that, you also need to invite huh, the fatherless, the orphans, those that don't have it off so well. And finally, he said, invite the widows. So you see what's happening is God says, I'm united with you. I'm going to bless you. You have a story about what it's like to be in right relationship with me. And we count our many blessings. We sing about that all the time. But God says, your table is too small. You've got to realize as a community, it's not just about how God has blessed you as individuals. No, what it means to be God's community is how everyone prospers, how everyone is cared for. So that when people come and are in your midst, man, even the foreigners have it well. Even those that are disenfranchised on the outside, those without fathers to work in the field, the, the widows who have no property, even they have got it awesome in Israel. Why? Well, it changes our heart, but it also brings glory to God when God's people will share the abundance of what God has provided for them to care for the entire community in which they live. It's a testimony, testimony to what God has done in my life, but we don't just keep taking in more and more resources, more and more blessings and consuming. No, we take what we need, but we bring glory to God's name when we share those blessings and we enlarge our table. Where do we go with this? You know, the community of God's people, he said, I want you to look after these widows. I want you to look after these orphans and aliens. I want you to look after the destitute. You know, it, it's not just in the Jewish law and say, well, that was kind of Old Testament and they didn't have some of the checks and balances and some of the safety nets that we have. No, we, we see um, the same pattern in New Testament where believers were encouraged. Say, there's a major famine going on in Jerusalem. And Paul says, I'm I'm going to be cheering around, and even though you don't know those people over there, I want God's people to lay in store. Even though you're struggling financially as well, still, if there's people that are worse off than you, lay up in store for those people. Because even though you don't know them directly, I want you to be a blessing. I want to administer to this group of people through you. And so we see that. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Man, when you're caring for widows, when you're caring for orphans, boy, that's just pure religion that God sees no fault in. Can can we expand some of these? Maybe those that don't have family, don't have social connection around here. What about the the fatherless and and the widows? Are Are you realizing that in a lot of communities, there are more children born out of wedlock without an intact family? And what that does for the family and how that ties in with poverty. 
Can, can we look after all of these as God's people? Can we expand and see what God's doing? Notice God's intended cycle of blessing. He says, I want you to align yourself with me. Call yourself your God's person. Then watch the abundance. Count the many blessings that God gives us. But then we use that abundance, not just to say God's awesome and boy, look at all the stuff God's given us. But no, we use that abundance to bless others. So we're blessed with what we have in order to bring about a better life for others. So it becomes a community-wide effort. I remember Ray Nagin, after Hurricane Katrina came in and just devastated all of the, the Gulf Coast there. And, and he talked about the efforts of, of the government and about some nonprofits and also, you know, some uh, business leaders that came in. But he said it was the people of faith that carried the day. That long after the excitement was gone, the headlines were over. It was faith-based groups over a three-year period kept coming back and coming back to help rebuild New Orleans and the area around it. So God's community is dependent upon God's people having a heart to do something different. A heart that goes beyond their immediate context. And even the needs of their immediate family, they're saying, we want to be this blessing. Not for our glory, but for God's glory. So it becomes this cycle. I was asked to be a part of the Collin County Homeless Coalition. And I went to my first meeting and I was amazed at some of the statistics. Because, you know, we first moved here in 2014. You know, we made the cover of, was it Money Magazine, a greatest place to live in America. It was in McKinney, Texas. I found that it's not the greatest place to live for everyone. That there are people that are really struggling. I had no idea there are 487 homeless adults was last count that they had. Some are sheltered, some are on the street. I also didn't realize that out of the homeless, 53% of them are women. Because that's not the mindset that I have. And, and to tell you the truth, when I'm driving around town, I almost don't notice them. I, I'm so busy. I'm, I'm on my way. I didn't realize in Collin County we had that much of a problem with homelessness. I also was shocked that 1,454 of this year's ISD students, I mean, in, in the public schools around here in Collin County, are homeless. That doesn't mean they're out on the street, but they have no address. They may be crowds, you know, couch surfing. Not crowd surfing, that's something completely different. But they're, they're going from place to place. They're, they may be living in a car or van or something, but they have no physical address. Maybe they're, they're over at the hotel next door to us. And, and they're working. Try, and out of those in Collin County, 52% of those live in McKinney. I just assumed everyone was doing great if you're living here in Collin County and McKinney. So when we're met with statistics like that, and we start hearing stories about what's going on, we can't claim ignorance is bliss, can we, church? We have to say, what can we do about that? And what do, what's God calling us to be a part of? You know, I, I don't know the best way to do, do things effectively, but there's two ministries that we support. One is Community Lifeline and Samaritan Inn. So I'm going to invite Angie and Rick to come up because I want you to hear about what they're doing on the front lines, and many of our members are joining with these two parachurch organizations to make a huge difference. So you guys come on up because I want our folks to hear from you.
about what all y'all are up to. So Angie, we're going to go, we're going to start with you. And Community Lifeline is something that a lot of our folks have been involved in. Uh, and many more have collected canned goods and that type of thing. But Community Lifeline has been serving McKinney since 1989. I had no idea it's been around that long. Uh, I also thought that it was just McKinney, but you guys have a lot larger area. So just share the size of your service area and the number of clients you work with each month and each year. That, because I, I had no idea the scope of what y'all are a part of. Yes, uh, Community Lifeline Center has been serving the needs of people who are in short-term crisis in McKinney and north, north part of Collin County. We encompass 17 communities altogether from Prosper, Princeton, Salina, Anna, Blue Ridge. I'm not going to name them all, but you get the idea. We don't go into um, Allen or Frisco or Plano. We just cover the McKinney and north area. Yeah, and one of the things I didn't realize is that Plano kind of takes care of, of Plano in that area, but it seems like in both of y'all's ministries that McKinney kind of is McKinney plus a lot of the outside areas that y'all are asked to be a part of. Okay, so I, I mentioned that on a weekly basis, uh, we ask our members to give dry goods and canned goods to support your work, but you guys are not a food bank or not only a food bank. Explain kind of the gap that Community Lifeline provides for kind of the greater community area, McKinney area. Yes, that's right. In McKinney, we have identified there's a food desert which exists in part of our city. The majority of our services, actually about 75% of the people we serve do live in McKinney. And our food desert, for those of you who may not know, food desert means there is not easily available, healthy, nutritious, and affordable food within a three-mile radius. So that's a challenge for many of our residents. The cost, escalating costs in our area, of course, mean that dollars are tighter, and so we are there because, frankly, crisis doesn't care if you're Hispanic, black, white, male, female, 20 or 80, or a purple zebra for that matter. Mm -hmm. Crisis can strike anytime, anywhere. And so that's the gap that we fill when somebody is financial facing a financial crisis, for example, they come to us and we can help with financial assistance and food. The other gap that we've identified just recently, actually, is I don't know if you're aware, but nearly 8,000 students at McKinney ISD only, only that school district in McKinney, go to bed hungry or they're food insecure. And to us, that is quite unacceptable and that obviously doesn't include the six other school districts who also have students who reside in our our community so we are starting a sac summer hunger program for this um, 2020 year and we're undertaking the plans to get that off the ground as we speak actually so Angie, one of the things is, uh, and Rick can speak into this as, as well, and in just, just a minute, why don't you keep the microphone? Um, I'm, I'm trying to share. Well, why no? We, we do like we each do other. Like each. That's good. Uh, but once someone goes from being in a dwelling to being homeless, it's so expensive because one, it, it's so hard to, to get back in that you've got to, a lot of people require three months of rent 
up front. And so you guys provide really for in certain situations, those funds to keep them in there a month. If, if there's just a short-term need. So just speak as to, to how crucial that is because you see families that are right on the edge and it says that you know, a four to $500 bill that you can't pay can totally derail a family for years. So true. Our job is to keep families from spiraling, spiraling further into poverty and getting to a position where they will not be able to get out. So if we can provide them financial assistance to bridge the gap over this crisis or hurdle and help them continue on the road to, to um, solid footing, then we have done our job. And you're absolutely correct. The deposits, first and last month's rent, that is an enormous hurdle in today's world where many of our rents in, in our own community are $1,100 or more. So just imagine um, the criteria. That's a lot of money for people who are really struggling. So for those of you who don't know, Community Lifeline and Samaritan Inn are supported by a lot of different churches, and it really helps us to do benevolence better, I think, uh, to be able to, to uh, connect with you guys. But you guys receive funds from a lot of different places, but you strive to meet physical, emotional, spiritual needs of your clients. How can you do that as a nonprofit and kind of walk that line, you know, because not everyone wants you to connect spiritually, but how can you guys kind of do that under the radar? It's truly tough, and I want to say thank you for your support, your congregation. We have a lot of volunteers who come over to Community Lifeline Center every single week. They help in our food pantry. They help unload groceries sometimes. They help fill grocery orders for the people who are looking for food, and I can't tell you how much we appreciate that, and thank you, because as we all know, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? So as you mentioned, the spiritual piece, or the, um, the holistic approach, I guess is a better way to put it, it is often a struggle, without a doubt. We have a case manager on board who tries to address each client who comes through our door in a holistic manner and tries very hard to figure out what resources, if we don't have them, we might send them to Samaritan Inn, for example, if that's the place they are in their lives. We have a great partnership network throughout the um, city and county, for that matter. So we do a lot of resourcing and try to meet the needs and address the systemic issues that many people are facing. Sometimes that is a job situation. We don't have job placement in-house, but we certainly can refer them to places who do. Another um, piece we've started is our Beyond Blue program. We are partnering with five other local agencies to uh, address the needs of the 55 and over population who live in the 75069 zip code specifically. And it's a large grant from Texas Health Resources that will allow us to institute this program. The, the issue is identifying people over 55 who are isolated, who might be borderline poverty and have financial issues and depression mm -hmm. issues. And so our job is to move them on a depression scale at least one position so that they were hoping to help our whole community be healthier.
Yes. And you mentioned a lot of different ways. If you want to get involved, you know, certainly the groceries are helpful in, in working through with that. And I know that sometimes some clients will allow you to pray with them about what's going on in their lives. But uh, we want to support your ministry tremendously. Rick, uh, we've had several of our members that have either served in your thrift store or worked uh, to serve meals. Uh, but for those in the audience that have never seen Samaritan Inn kind of up close, uh, can you share a little bit about the Samaritan Inn, the number of residents, average stay, and maybe a little about your new facility and things? Be glad to. Thank you, Brad. Uh, the Samaritan Inn is 35 years old. We were founded in 1984 by the Collin County Ministerial Association, who had a great concern, those pastors and churches, a great concern for those who were uh, suffering from the impact of poverty in our area. They opened an overnight shelter uh, down on McMakin Street, and uh, it kind of stayed just as an overnight shelter for men at first, and then women and children later for a number of years. And then in 2004, uh, the Samaritan Inn purchased a property on North McDonald, uh, which had been a, a former nursing facility and a minimum security prison, and retrofitted it to become a homeless shelter. And for the last uh, 10, 14 years, uh, that has been the home for the Samaritan Inn. We are a transitional program that helps people who've been impacted by homelessness and poverty, single men, single women, and families, uh, all of them. We're the only facility in Collin County who provides shelter for single men. There's no other agency in Collin County that is doing that. On an average night, last night, we had about 100, I think it's 183 people in our program, 73 of whom are children between the ages of birth and 18. They come with their parents. Uh, you can imagine the challenge of herding, shepherding 183 people in the right direction. And we don't do it just for a night or two, but our average stay is 205 days in our program. And during that uh, six to nine month period, we're helping those families and children and individuals get back on their feet again to a place of full-time employment where they've identified permanent housing, where they can become self-sufficient and independent and no longer need services of a place like the Samaritan Inn or government help. We're really all about self-sufficiency and independence. As some of you know, we moved into new facilities earlier this spring. Uh, we purchased 15 acres, actually from one of your members here at High Point, uh, Earl and uh, Lena Milstead. Uh, it's the Milstead's farm. It's where Earl was born, and uh, they made it possible for us to purchase that 15-acre beautiful property with heritage trees on it and all the rest. And we have built 46,000 square feet on that property, a residence building that has 50 bedroom apartments, and then a pavilion that has a new kitchen and dining room, libraries, classrooms, computer lab, playroom, teen room, uh, lounge, and chapel. In fact, the chapel... Uh, we saved some of the barn wood from the old Millstead barn and the doors uh, from the homestead and the doors of our chapel are Millstead doors and the feature wall in our chapel is made of the barn wood from one of the barns. It's a beautiful room that gives honor and glory to God and, and for the faithfulness of so many of uh, Christ's servants through the years who've supported the work of the Samaritan Inn. Yeah, and, you know, when you and I talked earlier, uh, 
when we think homeless shelter, we kind of think it's a place where Otis, the town drunk, can kind of stumble in that he's out the next day. That, that's not what this is. So share just a little bit more about the stages that people can go in as you're trying to ramp them up as to kind of re-entering into society and really changing the course of their life. It really is a change, of course. It's transformative, really. Uh, and we have people who come through our doors in the midst of crisis, as Brad had mentioned earlier. Uh, people living in their cars, couch surfing uh, with a family or friend, uh, and just have no shelter, no place to be. Uh, unemployed often, although 48% of the people who come to us are already employed. The problem is they're underemployed. Yep. If you're working in a minimum wage job in Collin County right now, you need to be working 20 hours a day. Let that sink in for a minute. You need to be working 20 hours a day in order to sustain a living here in Collin County. And so a lot of people, it's not that they're lazy. It's not Otis the town drunk. Right. Uh, they want to work. They want to be self-sufficient, but they are on, on the margins of our society. They are on the outside looking in. And while so many of us are prospering here in Collin County, there are many people who are falling through the cracks. And that's where we come in. And we help them through case management, counselors. We have three counselors on staff that help people through the crisis, mm -hmm. believing in themselves again, uh, tapping into spiritual resources, uh, finding a path forward for them. We do financial education. They have to uh, complete classes in financial education and career education. They have to have a savings account, a minimum of $1,500 in their savings account before they can go into the final phase of our program. And then if they qualify, uh, they can, some will move into our gateway apartments, which are also on North McDonald Street, and can be there for a period of 18 months to give them a further period of stabilization. And we serve everyone. Unfortunately, even though we increased our capacity with our new facility, we are still turning people away. Yeah, and we'll have the mayor here uh, in two weeks. One of the things we want to talk about is what's happening down at the library. Right. You know, in the growing uh, tent community. You know, we just think that that's, well, that's kind of a West Coast thing. And, but no, it, it's here. And so uh, there, there's a lot of opportunities, but also a lot of challenges. So Many challenges. Yeah. It, what can we do to support your work over there to, um, on all these different phases? Well, first of all, we're so grateful for your partnership and so many of you who already engage with us as volunteers and supporters. Uh, the first thing, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, uh, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And for me, the most important thing that you can do for me and the Samaritan Inn is to pray for us. We need your prayers. I am heavily dependent on the power of God working in and through us to achieve what we need to do. And it's a gargantuan task that we cannot accomplish on our own because apart from him, we are nothing. Right. So we need your prayers. We need your engagement as volunteers. Mm -hmm. And so many of you are working in our thrift store or coming to serve meals or other ways that you've engaged with us. So there's room for more of you to come and we'd love to have you join us. And I'm just gonna be real honest and frank. We need your financial support. 97% mm -hmm. of our $4 million budget comes from individuals like you, churches, corporations. Only 3% comes from the government. We do not rely on the government for our support. And every morning when I wake up, and believe me, I'm not whining, I'm just telling you the truth. 
Every morning when I wake up, I realize that our fundraising goal at the Samaritan Inn, my fundraising goal at the Samaritan Inn, is $11,000 a day. Mm -hmm. And if I don't raise $11,000 today, then I have to raise $22,000 tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do that tomorrow, then I have 33000 I have yep. to raise on Tuesday. And that's just what it takes to help these individuals move from a, a period of crisis in their life to a place where they can thrive and be independent and self-sufficient. And I love that God has called me into this. I spent 31 years as a local church pastor. But 10 years ago, God changed the trajectory of my life and called me into homeless work. And I love what I'm doing. It's like bear wrestling. I, I wrestle a bear to the ground every day. So is church work. Anyway, go ahead. Well, listen, let me, let me honor your request and pray for you guys right now. Lord, we thank you for Angie, and we thank you for Rick, and we thank you for all of the workers that are on staff and all the countless volunteers that are on the front lines doing your work, Lord, that are making a difference in this community. Help them to realize how important it is and how God-honoring the task is and their calling that they've received. Lord, give them strength. Lord, we ask you to give them resources and give them courage. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So while you're here, we wanted to give each of you $2,500, but in, we don't want you to open it until Thursday because then it gets doubled to 5000 So it's a national day where all of the uh, contributions given on Thursday are doubled. So thank you guys very much. Let's show them our appreciation. Where do we go from here? I, I think each of us needs a, a response, and it's a response I need to have as well. The first is this, to open our hearts, and, and that's why I ask for each of us to be praying, because when we start praying for the people of our society, whether they are doing well or, or, or not, or struggling or are homeless, when we start praying for people, God has a way of opening our eyes instead of zipping on past. And so I encourage us to do that. You know, uh, it's pretty interesting. When we see a police officer or soldier around, our eyes go to that. And I don't know about you, but I thank them for their service. And I, I've been out to eat with some of you, and officers will come in, and you'll grab the waiter or waitress and say, put theirs on our tab. Why? Because we value what they do, and we value the service to the community. What I want us to do is have that same sense of value for each and every person around us, whether they're serving in this way or whether they can't serve at all. And their value comes in not what they're doing, but their value comes in that they're children of God, that God's invited to the table. And it's ask us to invite them to the table as well. God says, love on the alien, the, the fatherless, the widow, because they're my children too. Number two, I encourage you to do something. I don't know what that is. God may put on your heart today that I want to raise up a ministry designed 
to, to meet needs around there or to be the high point champion for what we're doing in this effort or this effort. I, I don't know, but I encourage us all to do something. I, I know a lot of you will, will have little snacks and, and water you keep in your car so that when you see someone that's homeless or you make a connection, maybe it's a, a card to a fast food restaurant, you have some type of resource you can immediately give and offer up a prayer for people. So I, I just encourage you, I, I know it's transactional, but it's a start. It's saying, God, open my eyes and then help me take a step because that opens our heart up a little bit more to say, I, I love this city. I really do, but I want to love on this city too. And I, I want to meet needs because that's what God has called me to do is he's blessed my life. I want to help allow God's hands and feet to be that for him. And finally, this is a hard one for me, is build relationships. I was in Nashville a couple months ago with my daughter, and we pulled up to a stoplight, and uh, there was a homeless man there, and I, I don't carry cash anymore. All I have is my debit card fits in the back of my phone. And so I, I had nothing to get. I had, I had no food or, or anything. And so I... I kind of chose to do the look straight ahead and act like you don't see what's going on. And Maggie, my daughter's like, can you roll down the window? I was like, Maggie, I don't have anything. She goes, I'm going to just roll down the window. So I rolled it down. She said, hey, John, what's going on with you? Well, to, and they start going back and forth. He says, well, Maggie, thanks. And, you know, and when are you going to come back and see me again? And so I said, Maggie, how do you know this guy? She goes, well, his, his name is John. He and his wife have gone through a divorce recently. Well, they're in the process of it. Actually, he went out to see some friends. And when he came back home, his friend dropped him off. And she had loaded up all of their possessions and had cashed out the bank account and had loaded it in their, their car and took off with the kids, left him there. He's, he couldn't get to work because he didn't have a vehicle, lost his job. And he said, in a moment, I went from having a stable life to being homeless. So Maggie connects with him, takes him food and stuff. But she's built a relationship, and they're friends. And I'm like, I, I was so proud, but also convicted. Who am I doing that for? Am I willing to get outside my comfort zone, to, to get on the front, front row? Because these guys can tell you, when you're on the front lines, you're not just serving. You're the one that's being benefited. When you hear these stories, and you connect with people, because they're God's children, I just encourage us, let's get outside of our comfort zone. Let's truly love on the people around us. What about you this morning? There's some lessons that God just works on my heart, and this is one of them. But I just want to ask, are, are you open? Ask God to do this for you. I'm not going to give a personal invitation. I want you to ask God to do that. I want you to take a moment and, and pray and say, God, I want you to give the invitation this morning. I, I want you to open my heart up as to what you want me to do, not out of guilt, but out of love, and, and based on seeing things differently and seeing things that our Heavenly Father does. Ask God to put that on your heart. Ask God to put us into motion for God to show us the door He wants us to walk through. If we can help you this morning, you're ready to come to Jesus, boy, we'd love to celebrate that with you today. If we can help you, Come now as we stand, as we sing.